Today we're sitting down with Daniel Alfron from danielalfron.com. Great conversation about LinkedIn specifically. A lot of us entrepreneurs and business people spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, but to Daniel's estimation, we're only spending about 3% or using 3% of the tools available for us in the free LinkedIn platform. A lot of people feel they got to move to platinum, but in the free platform, there's so many things you could do. We talk about the five myths or misconceptions that are in LinkedIn the three things you need to think about before you take any action on LinkedIn and a few different ideas and tips on how you can best utilize it to increase your profile, increase your visibility, but more importantly, improve your business metrics and performance through LinkedIn. Here's Daniel Alfron. All right, Daniel, welcome to the podcast today. We look forward to having a conversation with you and looking up your expertise and background here. And I think this is a topic that our, our audience really needs to hear about is really sales and marketing techniques and really tips and tricks of the trade. But before we get started, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you've come to be what you are today and what you're doing with your business? With pleasure. I'm, I'm glad to be part of the Entrepreneurs United. And, and thanks, uh, Rich and, and John, for having me. Um, my name is Daniel Alphon. And what, what we could dive into are ways to leverage LinkedIn better. I think I'll say that I made all the LinkedIn, um, all the mistakes you can imagine. I simply had the, the luck to uh, make them early enough. I signed up early in 2004, and LinkedIn helped me save my uh, sales job. The okay. first time I, I was uh, uh, carrying a quota, it didn't start really well. And at one point, LinkedIn showed me the name of the person of a prospect. And because back then, a third of, of our time was dedicated just to find the right person within the company. My sales cycle was shortened by 30% at least, and I, I beat my quota, and then I decided to dive into LinkedIn and specialize. It's a very powerful uh, platform, 900 million users, more or less, and every second, two people sign up. Wow. Uh, so, so, Daniel, walk, walk us back before you discovered LinkedIn. Yep. Uh, you were obviously in, in the sales world. Uh, would you mind sharing us a little bit more about what exactly, you know, what were your, what was your specialty in terms of what field you were in? Uh, and maybe we'll dive a little bit more into that story of, okay, now I have a quota. I discover this thing called LinkedIn and I start figuring out how to go around this tool. So walk us through a little bit of the history before LinkedIn. Uh, what were you doing exactly? Okay. I can't say I was in, into pure sales. Okay. I was always on the marketing side, if you'd like. Okay. Um, and I think the only common thread is training. Um, I was working as a high school teacher for a couple of years and then an in-house training specialist in a uh, medium-sized company and then competitive intelligence for marketing and sales. And then I moved into business development and eventually sales. Okay. And, and what happened was that LinkedIn um, helped me uh, perform better, and then I started helping friends. And then those friends became entrepreneurs and, and asked me to come and train their sales force. And at one point, I said, okay, social is too large a field to, uh, to be commanded by one person. And I think LinkedIn is the right place for me to specialize in. And fast forward uh, to today, it's, um, it's a growing, interesting platform. And there, there are ways entrepreneurs can leverage LinkedIn without being somebody else. Okay. Without okay. spending, without lying, without pretending to be someone else, without advertising, and simply by being themselves on LinkedIn. Interesting. Okay. So uh, at the time you, you discovered LinkedIn, you said 2004. 
between that period of learning, hey, I can use this tool for myself, you then start training friends and other business acquaintances how to use it. Then you're like, I'm going to start my business consulting around this platform because it's such a massive platform and everybody needs help. And right now, if I'm not mistaken, right, your, your business, danielalphorn.com, is really helping people generate business with LinkedIn and really, as you just said, you know, using this powerful tool to get results. Is that kind of what your business does today? And is that consulting you do for small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses? Tell us a little bit more about the consulting practice. With pleasure. Absolutely right. I think SMBs and mid-sized companies and, and even consultants are probably my uh, my niche or my sweet spot. And and SMBs, as you know, when, when they aggregate, when they use uh, the right tools, they can become it could it could leverage the field for companies that are not very large. So this is my um, probably my sweet spot. Okay, got it. And so they come to you and they say hey, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, but I don't get it. I'm not getting results or I don't know where to get results. Um, So you know, if I'm I'm listening to this conversation right now and either my sales team is, I'm assuming most people, at least here in the United States, are, you know, if they're in business doing sales or marketing, they're on LinkedIn. But the problem is, from my experience, only a very small fraction know how to use it properly. Is that kind of your thesis as well? I'm, I'm afraid that's the uh, that's reality. I mean, yeah. We can discuss other things, but that's that's reality. Otherwise, there are so many uh, um, misconceptions and myths about LinkedIn that some some of the best uh, talents and salespeople uh, I worked with assumed they needed to do on LinkedIn, on LinkedIn things that are not natural for them and things that are even not aligned with the way they conduct sales or marketing in the first place and and that's weird to me if you just think about the metrics questions i'm asked are about connections and views and followers and mentions and endorsement and ssi all sorts of linkedin metrics i'd like to ask a very basic question what is the business metric that matters most to our listeners here if i'm understanding correctly uh, i you know certainly let's use a different platform Instagram or Facebook, right? Uh, we have a major problem uh, across the world where people are trying to be who they're not so they can get more likes uh, because that's how they measure happiness is I had you know X amount of likes on my post on Instagram as an example. And what I think you're saying is in LinkedIn, it's a lot different. It doesn't matter how many likes you have or how many this or that or connections or whatever. It's really what are the business metrics you're trying to achieve measure against that performance. So as an example, if my business is trying to sell more product, I need more leads of people coming to my website, or I need more leads of people filling out my form. Uh, That's how I should measure my success on LinkedIn, not on the LinkedIn metrics. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I think that the metrics that matter to you in real life should be kept on LinkedIn. And if you say top of funnel is great for LinkedIn, okay, awareness and, 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 uh, downloads and subscriptions and any anyone uh, joining your funnel in, in the top of the funnel is where LinkedIn excels at. Uh, generally, the transactions will not happen on LinkedIn. But the awareness stage and discovering your services and going to your website and convert is something that LinkedIn can do in an excellent way. And, and educational content is simply one way to get people to 
stay up to, to discover you on LinkedIn and then go to your website, the conversion is better on your website. If you had the, the choice between sending our listeners here to your LinkedIn profile or to entrepreneursunited.us, where do you think conversion is likelier? Yeah, on the website. So simply, you don't have to understand LinkedIn metrics. You even have to think about it as a black box, okay? If you have a forthcoming webinars, webinar, and John, you had usually you have 200 people signing up and say 100 uh, attending, and you have 40K sales in each webinar. If you started using LinkedIn and you, get, you got 250 registrants and 130 attendees and 80k in revenues then you can attribute the delta or the change or, or the improvement to linkedin if you change nothing else okay yep so you don't have to understand linkedin you simply have to make linkedin work for you okay and linkedin is here to serve us entrepreneur and we are not here to help linkedin we're here to help our business grow what i'm saying is really it's so simple. It's so uh, um, I haven't invented anything. What what I, what I said was simply back to basics. You don't have to understand LinkedIn. You have to make LinkedIn work for you. If you're interested in top of funnel uh, uh, conversion and people discovering your services, then link the sole purpose of LinkedIn should be that. In other words, my clients get revenues, orders, downloads, and not connections, followers views, endorsements, or other LinkedIn metrics. Okay. So, so I understand when you say, look, you need to make LinkedIn work for you. You're not here to help LinkedIn be successful. You're here to make your business be successful and go back to traditional metrics. And you don't really need to understand the LinkedIn piece. You just need to make it work for your business. But isn't that a little bit one and the same? If I don't understand how to use LinkedIn to my advantage, well, then I can't improve my business metrics. So are, are you, when you train, are you training business owners to uh, fish and, and, and learn how to use the tool to the best of advantage, or are you doing it for them? What, what is your business focus on the most? Excellent. It's a, it's a great question. I think I usually help them uh, leverage LinkedIn platform better themselves. Occasionally at, occasionally, at one point, I would also do it for them, but it's not realistic for, for anyone, not, 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 just, not just me, to, to, to allow someone to behave on your behalf on, on any platform because LinkedIn is individual and you have to call the shots and you have to decide whether that's, that works for you or not. Let's ask maybe three quick questions about any action you can perform on LinkedIn. And that can guide any entrepreneur when they have to decide whether they perform action A or perform action B. First question, are they happy? Are they uh, they feel it really represents them. It could be the profile photo or the banner or the link or connection or anything they would do on LinkedIn. Are they happy with it? Yes or no. The second question, when people who know them view that action, do, do they feel it's aligned with the way that entrepreneur behaves in real life? Okay, if you're using, if one entrepreneur is using, uh, uh, is very serious and anything, everything you see on, on LinkedIn is them cracking jokes, then you stop and you say, what happened here? I had 10 meetings with that person. I never heard anything like that. So there, it's not good to have 
a, a, mis, uh, a misalignment between the way you behave in real life on LinkedIn and LinkedIn because it won't work. It will not work when people think it's either someone else doing it for you or some other um, uh, personality doing this. And the last, last question you can ask is when the entrepreneur thinks about their ideal prospect, will that action help that hesitant ideal prospect to say, yes, I want to learn more about you? So first, are you happy with, the, with performing that action? B, is it aligned with the way people who know you really well think about you? And lastly, will that attract or repel or make people go, go away? And when you have those questions and you know the answer, because you know, you know your entrepreneurs know the, the answers for, for all three questions. You had talked about misconceptions and myths. I'd love to hear what a few of those are. Uh, what are they and what is the truth? <laughs> With pleasure. So um, perhaps we can uh, quickly uh, mention five significant myths. Okay, the first would be that SMBs and entrepreneurs should focus on LinkedIn on their company page. The truth, Rich, is that they need to focus on their individual profile. Because on LinkedIn, the company page only becomes interesting or important when you employ thousands of employees. And if, if you're uh, working for an SMB, then focus on your individual profile because that's where your leads will come from. The leads will not come from the page. The leads will not come from your page. It will come through your profile, your individual account. The natural action for people on LinkedIn is to connect on an individual basis. They discover your profile. They decide whether they want to connect with you or not. If you're not sure, simply ask yourself, how many companies am I following on LinkedIn? And how many connections do I have? And you'll see that most entrepreneurs and most people will have a lot more connections than the number of follower companies they actually follow. So forget about the company page. Focus on the individual profile, even if you're a solopreneur. Okay, if, 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 if you employ 5, 10, 15 people, the page is not important. Focus on your, your profile and maybe your staff profile, the people you work with or people, co-founders and other people who, who, who are part of your, uh, your venture. A very big myth is about um, quantity versus quality. Many people assume that they need to get 500 plus connections. Otherwise, they will not succeed. And the truth is that the quality of your network matters. And you could have 300 connections and gain revenues and profit from LinkedIn. And you could, you could have, you might have 3,000 connections without being to translate those connections into real life revenues. And I would like our listeners here to pick one side. It could be quality or quantity. What do I mean by quality? Connecting with people you know well. The main advantage is that you'll be able to gain referrals. When you run a search, you find someone interesting, you see you share a mutual connection, you could ask that mutual connection for, for an introduction. And that will bring you business because in our, in, in, for most entrepreneurs, referrals stay with you longer, they end up referring other clients to you, and they're a lot less price sensitive than non-referrals. 
So pick quality instead of quantity. Most people will not have 30,000 connections and they're stuck in a dead man's zone. They've polluted their, the quality of their network without achieving real exposure. That's something we could discuss for a lot of time, if you'd like. A, last, a third myth or a third suggestion, perhaps, I would suggest that entrepreneurs think of their LinkedIn profile as a website and not as a CV. What I mean by that is that it's not important that you worked for five years for that company. You need to think about your, your LinkedIn profile as a way to convert your ideal reader. And if we were able to add an ideal prospects to this call, what action would you like them to perform after they visit your profile? I'd say go to, go to our website or go to a Excellent. lead form or something like that. Excellent. So first question is, who's your ideal client? Who's your ideal prospect you're trying to reach through LinkedIn? And the second question, what action would you like those people to perform? And then you look at your profile and you say, if I were my ideal prospect, and I visited my own profile without knowing me, am I likely to visit my website? No. And when first, uh, the most important text we need to take into account here is the headline. And I'd like to, to draw your attention to your headline because your headline does not say simply founder, entrepreneurs, limited, united, I'm sorry. It says unlocking the entrepreneurial dilemma of growth capital, and liquidity for small, medium-sized businesses. If I'm a small-sized business, that's a lot more interesting, and I'm now interested in learning a bit more about you. That's what I mean by converting your ideal reader. It's not important. The name of the company is not important. You need to convert them and to make them discover what you have. What was the myth on that? So I got the, the truth is treated as a website. Uh, yep. convert people to your, right. um, you know, treat it as a marketing website to convert people to your website. What was the myth that was being disbanded there? The myth would be that most entrepreneurs would simply list the companies they've worked for. So I would be with uh, Cisco from uh, 2015 to 2018. And, and then there would be very little information about my venture. Whereas what's uh, important... Our clients is our our current venture. Of course, if we are corporate refugees, if you uh, if you've worked in in corporate America for 10, 15 years, maybe a lot of your knowledge came from that. But what you offer now is not a CV for employers; is services to to clients, and that's a simple switch here. You need to to understand that the fact many people are using LinkedIn. For job hunting, doesn't mean that you have to reach. If you're not look, most entrepreneurs would not look for a full-time employee position. They would look for prospects. So it doesn't make sense to focus on the years you've been you've been with that company without offering information about your what you're doing now. What you're doing now is probably a lot more important for both for you and for your prospect than the companies you've been with. Got it. So the the myth is almost like resume accuracy versus website, treated as a website to convert customers, potential customers. Okay. Exactly. Very cool. 
Tell me about, so you said we could talk about it forever, and I don't want to talk about it forever, Daniel, but I do want to ask you a follow-up question. Um, sure. Polluting the quality of your network. So if, you know, for example, I see you've got um, 1,300 and uh, 1,318 followers. Right. And if that were to be 3,000, in a mm-hmm. polluted network, who cares? Mm-hmm. Why is that a bad thing? So, let's go back to the business question at hand. When I when when I look at anyone's profile, LinkedIn will show me whether we share a mutual connection. So when I look at John's profile, I see that we have a mutual connection, Joe Michaels. Am I? able to reach out to Joe Michaels and ask him to introduce me to John? Yes, I am. Because I, I have worked with him when back when he was in Tebow a couple of years ago. And now he's in, into music and he's a great person. And I feel comfortable reaching out to him and asking him if he could make that introduction. Now, imagine that I would look at Joe and say, I have no idea who that person is. The bad news is that Joe would look at me and say, who's that Daniel? So that's the power of quality. Yep. There is also power to quantity. If I had 30,000 connections, then I could gain a lot of exposure. But if I'm stuck in between with 3,000 connections, that's not exposure. Exposure happens when you have 25, 30, 50,000 connections. And you simply have to make a choice whether in five years you'd like to be the most connected or the best connected. Either could work, but if you try to grab them both, you end up with very little of either. That resonates. I understand that. So the one, and when you gave the numbers, that really uh, is what hit home for me. So if you've got 30,000 people in a polluted network, it's like, yeah, but you have 30,000 eyeballs. Uh, so not sure it matters. But if you've got a smaller network, people are expecting that you actually know the people who you're connected with. I'll give you an example. It's interesting. It's not a, it's not a great example because it turned into business for the, uh, the gentleman. But I had somebody years ago who reached out and connected with me and he was a sales trainer. And I saw he was connected with a lot of people in Certipro in the business that uh, I work with. And I reached out to, and it was like, I don't know, 45 people he was connected to. So I reached out to five or six and said, hey, do you know who this guy is? None of the five or six knew who he was. I then kind of made the assumption. And they were all like, ah, he, he asked for a connection. I just connected with him. I don't know who the guy is. And... So he asked me for a connection. I got back to him. I learned more about him and his business, uh, ultimately set up a program with him on his program was uh, the power of persuasion. And we set up a charge rate and our uh, many of our franchise owners went to that. So it turned into business for him. So it, it doesn't help the moral of the story. But I will tell you, it was a little weird for me when I asked several people I have a good relationship with, who is this guy? And five or six people came back and said, I don't know. It made me curious, but it was a bit of a turnoff. 
And Rich, I got little, you know, flush in the face when um, Daniel mentioned Joe Michaels. I was like, oh boy, I hope I know this guy. Uh, and, and, and I and I literally looked at his picture. I opened up his profile. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't think I know this guy. But I do, I do, I do. And uh, Joe Michael, I used to work uh, for Tebow Fixtures, Rich. You may remember them. And yeah. that's where I got to know him uh, back in the day with our fixture installation business. So I do know him. I'm proud to say that I do because I, I did get scared there. But you bring up a really good point, Rich. I If if we both, I'll leave Daniel out of this one because I know how he would perform. If we both went to our contacts and went through the list, there's probably a very healthy dose. We have no idea who they are. Uh, what a great opportunity to connect with those people and say, Hey, we've been connected for five years now, and it just dawned on me that we really don't know each other. What do you do? Let's get to know each other. What a great networking opportunity. Mm. You know what would be a fun Uh exercise to do, John, is if you and I looked at our shared uh, connections, and we were then able to identify people who we share who neither of us really know. (laughs) I'm on it. I'm looking at it right now. Let me get to your profile. But that's a great, that's a great exercise. I think everybody should do this, man. Because I'll tell you a quick story. I'm sorry to interrupt, but this, this is, this is the power of LinkedIn. So Daniel, you'll appreciate this, right? It takes sales out of the equation for a second. 10 years ago, uh, our family was moving from Philadelphia to Boston. And uh, I, it was a career change for me or location change for me. So my wife was leaving her location of employment and we were, and she was looking, what am I going to do when I go to Boston? I got to find a new place of employment. So she literally did research for weeks on Boston companies that had good cultures and doing reviews and just trying to figure out where does she want to work? Like what's the type of company she wanted to work with? And she came back with two companies. And I was like, well, let me look on LinkedIn. And this is like 2012. Let me look on LinkedIn to see who I may know, who may know somebody who's at that company. Well, by the time she showed up for her interview at the HR department of one company in Boston, the person's first response was, I think I need to hire you without this interview because I got your resume from four people in the company telling me I should talk to you. And I didn't know any of those four people. It was literally me connecting to you to get to Joe Michaels to find to get a job at Tebow. Like it was literally going through the channel, but every single connection I had that was of value was absolutely willing to help give that introduction to the person at that company who could help get an instruction to the HR department. And so that happened and she ended up getting a job at that company. And a few years later, she was interested in changing employment, going to another company. And I did the same thing over again. And she got employed at that company by just using the power of the LinkedIn network and connections you have and the, and the power of quality. I like the story. I think it, it's, it's a great story. And I think I could combine what, what Rich said and what you said now into some system that can work for entrepreneurs. Please. Now, each, each entrepreneur could tweak and, and make it their own system. I'm not uh, advocating uh, uh, my system, but most entrepreneurs don't have a system. They simply react. And Rich, when you replied to the person that sent you the invitation request, I think that's a great opportunity. Looking now, when you, when you, when you uh, receive invitations, some of them look interesting. And what you could do is follow up. You could follow up, like John said, after you connect, and that's fine. You could also follow up or ask them a question before you even connect. And you could do that for the most promising invitation. So you get out of 10 invitations, you only do it for one. And then you, you simply reply to that person and say, thank you very much. I see that you've been you're, you're with XYZ. Can I be of help? Thanks, Rich. That's it. 
if they are interested in, in working with you, they'll, they'll tell you what they want. And if they don't reply or reply in, a, in an unprofessional way, you know what to do. And analyzing our network, John, like you said, is a very powerful thing because you, you could turn some of those virtual connections into real-life connections. Talk to me about, Daniel, how to create awareness. And I want to throw this out. Like I would consider myself to be a novice on using the power of LinkedIn. If you said, hey, well, Rich, you tell me, how do you think you create awareness? I'd go, I don't know. I see a bunch of posts on people putting uh, good-looking pictures and quotes on that seem to get a bunch of activity. Uh, you mentioned educational content. Yeah, certainly. I see some stuff with, you know, people have short clips on there. Uh, you can pay for it. Um, I don't really know beyond that. Like, fill in some gaps for me, thereby our listeners on how do you even use it to create awareness? If we focus on entrepreneurs who want to grow their business and stay in control of their business. Okay, businesses that are debt-free, they want to grow, but they still want control of the company. Then the questions I would ask is, what questions do they struggle with that are not related to Entrepreneurs United? What keeps them up at night? What information are they asking themselves? And if you could create content around that, content that doesn't say Entrepreneurs United is, is the solution. But here is the problem. Once you've grown your business from 1 million to 5 million, once your, your staff has this or that, then maybe you think about exit, or maybe you think about private equity, or maybe about angels. What are the pros and cons of all, the, of those, of all three? And at the, eventually you will say there's a fourth solution, but you guide them through in an honest way about the pros and cons, the ones that see the cons of each and every other uh, uh, solution will stay with you. And when they understand that, they're likely to start working with you. So and any entrepreneur could take that equation and simply ask themselves, what questions am my prospect struggling with? And simply create content around that. When, when you speak with enough customers, you know it. We, you can, I can wake you up at 4 a.m. and you, you would have a blog post. You have the top three questions and you would, you would create or repurpose all sorts of content. And another idea is to, like um, John said, you, you could analyze your existing network. Another thing you could do is analyze your existing content. Look at your website. There may be content there that isn't reflected on LinkedIn. Because as you know, creating content is time consuming and could also be expensive. Perhaps we could take that content, especially evergreen content. And some of the questions we've discussed are, you can, they're as relevant today as they will be in six months time. Try to think about the content you have, run a, a DPI, a, um, digital portfolio inventory, find the content that you can repurpose and repurposing will take time, but it's really fast. You can take that blog post and turn it into five Q&A or five other things. You can take one interview and have one quick Q&A, three images, like you said, with the quotes, and another gate, all sorts of gated content based on one, on a single interview or on a single episode or anything like that. You don't have to work harder. You can work smarter. 
So if I use that concept and play with it and kind of role play uh, your mind on your LinkedIn, you asked yourself, the types of customers I want who are going to want to learn about LinkedIn, what are some of the problems they're having? You chose to put on a tagline that uh, is interesting in and of itself because it says, too much business from LinkedIn, question mark. Knowing that, people will be like, nah, never enough business. It says, don't check out uh, you know, yourname.com, uh, which is attention getting and cheeky knowing that people want to get more business off of LinkedIn. But then you transitioned it to in your experience, the headline is not like, hey, I'm CEO and founder of my own company. That's not what it says on the description of your work experience. What it says is helping you generate business with LinkedIn. So you almost prompted awareness of the problem in your headline by saying too much business from LinkedIn and either subconsciously or consciously like, no, never enough business. And then you dovetailed that with helping you generate business with LinkedIn. So is that how you thought and how you used the principle you just taught? I'm glad you you pointed it out. Um, I'm not interesting and we are not interesting. Okay, Rich, neither you nor, nor John, you're not interesting. What interests our prospects are what we could help them achieve. And your profile needs to make them understand that you understand what their problems are. And if they see that you understand their problems, now they become interested in you. That may be uh, an incredibly quotable quote that'll stick with me. You are not interesting. What's interesting is that your potential clients see that you can help solve their problem. That's what's interesting to them. So start putting on LinkedIn the demonstration that you understand their problem and you can solve it and stop talking so much about yourself because they don't care as much about you as they do about solving their problems and you being a gateway to that. Yeah, I like the way you phrased it. Yes. Yeah, I love that. So, Daniel, you you gave us very very concretely three actions on LinkedIn when when you're about to do an action, three things you should think about. And then you talked about, you know, four to five myths or misconceptions. I got four myths and misconceptions. So I think I'm missing one. One of them was it's about your business metrics, not the LinkedIn metrics. Uh, the second one was you should focus on your page, not the company page. The next one was focus on quality, not quantity. The next one was think of your profile as a website, not a CV. Those are fantastic. Is there one that I'm missing or two that I'm missing? What would be the next one? Well, so there, there are two uh, we could uh, uh, mention here. One okay. is that content is more interesting than advertising. We may have mentioned it briefly, but I think it's, it's important okay. to, to understand. When was the last time either of you uh, clicked on, on an ad on LinkedIn, on, on the LinkedIn platform? I'm trying to avoid them. All right. So content is what will make people understand that you care, you know what they are facing. And the last myth we could dive into is time versus money. You don't have a pre, you don't have to pay for a LinkedIn premium account before you know the free platform inside and out. Huh. 
Okay. It's not that okay. the, the premium account doesn't give you anything. It does. But if I only signed up for LinkedIn now and I would pay for a premium account, I couldn't use it well. Mm. And most entrepreneurs hardly leverage 3% of the free platform. So it's not a shortcut. They don't know what to do with it. Try to spend some time on the platform, understand how to make it work for you. And when you reach the limits of the free account, maybe that time, by that time, it would make sense for you to invest in a premium account because you would actually more gain more from it. Now that makes a lot of sense. Stop giving away money. You're not even using a fraction of the tools that are already there. So, you know, be wiser. You could probably spend that money on better uh, content creation or <laughs> research. Um, so I, I love that. Uh, on the content is more interesting than advertising. Uh, you know, I, the reason why I say I don't click on advertising is because then all of a sudden my IP address gets plugged and anywhere I go on Google or anywhere else, I keep seeing this company over and over again. And I think that people are getting really fatigued of the uh, of the retargeting methodologies that uh, advertising bring along with it. So to your point, it's looked at, but I, I has, even if I'm interested in the product, I don't click on it because uh, I'm not scared of getting retargeted. Um, the one thing that, that I wanted to circle back, though, related to content is back to this whole quality versus quantity question, because it may also play into everything else we've talked about here. Um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, who I listen to every now and then, would tell you, look, you need 25, 30 pieces of content a day. Now, he's not talking about LinkedIn specifically, but he's saying 20 to 30 pieces of content a day. That's, qu that's, that's quantity in my mind. But I understand it's indisputable that for for content you need quality. There's no there's no dispute there. You shouldn't be putting junk out there. No question. But how much is too much if it's quality or is there no such thing? Hmm. It's a great question. Um let's let's uh add the consistency aspect to to the formula here. Okay? okay? Yep. Of course Every entrepreneur listening to our discussion here could create or put out all sorts of interesting quality content within a week, because these would be the easy wins, okay? Yes. And this would be the cherry picking and taking existing content and repurposing. That could be done relatively fast. So ask yourself, after I, I finish using or leveraging those sorts of, of pieces of content, how much time can I dedicate to content creation? And let me suggest something else. I don't think anyone needs to create content for LinkedIn. What I do think is that once you create content, because it makes sense to you to add them to your website, then don't forget to use them on LinkedIn. Decided to invest into a blog post or having an episode or anything else, then sharing that thing across LinkedIn will take you seconds or minutes. I was listening to, to uh, an interview you had with Edgar uh, Blazona about his incredible uh, uh, journey. Yeah. Like the, the way he started when he was 17 or 18 and, and moved from and, and North, from so fast to, I never thought it would be interesting. So just taking that piece of content is easy for you to repurpose it into things that will make uh, anyone LinkedIn Think of you as an empire. Yep. Because you created three quotes and a short 30 second video and all sorts of content. And one way to leverage that uh, uh, content in a disproportionate way is to avoid relying too much on your existing connections and use LinkedIn groups for that. Hmm. 
okay, say, say you, you now produced a piece of content. It could be an episode or something else. Then instead of simply uh, um, sharing that, like we know every Tuesday, the same person shares the same thing, episode uh, 30 or episode 300. At one point, most people will become blind to that sort of content because they already know what to expect. What you, what you could do is either take a couple of takeaways from that episode and make them the centerpiece of what you share. So at the end, it will say episode 30, go and, and you can now go and listen to, to what Edgar, uh, to, to, to see how Edgar explains the solution. But the pain point is really something that he mentioned and is intriguing for your listeners and for your connections. It takes a bit more time, but it could be worthwhile. And finding groups where your ideal audience hangs out is a simple way for you to repurpose that content or share that content and, and show it to people who would never connect with you. No, no, no matter how, how you look at it, you cannot be connected to all your audience. So you could, you could find all sorts of groups and in those groups, make sure that people discover your content. You take that episode, you take that blog post and you share it in New England groups and large and smaller groups. And that would make people discover you, go to your profile, convert, go to uh, Entrepreneurs United and then say, I'm interested. So, so there's an area that really has piqued my uh, curiosity. If there's an area of LinkedIn, I 100% underutilize its groups. And I, I would think that groups probably falls in the complete opposite category as company pages, like company pages to your point. I don't really care about them either. They, they don't mean much unless you're a certain size, but groups I've underutilized. So um, what would be the right approach? Just you know, speaking to me, because I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs fall in the same category. Like sometimes too many groups, there's too much thing, too many posts, too many things are going on. Like, is there a strategy that how to best utilize groups um, the way you described? There's just go just join a bunch of groups and repost your stuff there as well. Okay, so let's try to, to suggest a simple uh, method. Um, for, for many of our listeners, I think the, the first step should be to really see what groups they've joined. So when, when you click on, when you go to on desktop to LinkedIn, you click on, on the right where it says work and you select groups. And now I can see that you're, you're, you're a member about, of about 30 groups. Now, some of them you may have joined five years ago or eight years ago, back when you were into something else. And now you would simply leave the groups because you're no longer interested in that content. That's an easy decision for any entrepreneurs to make. Others you will rediscover and you could check them out, go to the group and see whether what happens there is interesting and whether uh, members of that group are also part of your 2022 and 2023 uh, objectives. And if you recognize those groups, then stay in those groups. And the, the, the next step could be to identify additional groups and then think of it as a matrix where you share maybe one piece of content a week in one group, something that will take you less than a minute. But that, that piece of content will make you, will make hundreds or thousands of people discover you through one piece of content. And the idea is not to carpet bomb the group, is to share one thing maybe once every six weeks in a specific group. 
but you will move to another group and that will make 20 people discover you here and 50 people discover you here. That will bring more people to the top of the funnel without you harassing them too much and without you taking too much time to produce the content or share it. Spread it thinly like once every two months in different groups. That's something you can also delegate because you do it once, you train someone, the third time you simply uh, watch over them, you see they, they make it you know, in a professional way and, and you can focus on, on growing your business and those shares will bring you additional leads. I love that. So, you know, it seemed daunting to me, you know, I'm in 60 groups. If I have a piece of content, I got to go to all 60 groups and post that content every day or every few hours. Like, like oh my gosh, that's a lot. But your, your point is very strategic. If you join a group and you're carpet bombing everybody, they're going to be like, how do we get this person off our group? They're abusing uh, this, this opportunity versus being you know, a little more strategic with it, which is, which is another quantity versus quality versus consistency uh, message. If you keep showing up, uh, you, you keep providing. Daniel, there's so much here. Your, your, your point earlier, like we could talk for the next day and a half on all these different tips and tricks and systems and everything else. We, we still wouldn't have enough. But in this conversation alone, I've gotten enough stuff that I need to get off this you know, podcast conversation real quick and go improve my LinkedIn uh, presence. But uh, if, if I want to learn more, if our entrepreneurs want to learn more, because there's so much more here, uh, talk, talk to us about what services you provide from your website, because I want to drive some traffic there and people to go learn some more. With pleasure. Thank you very much. My website, that's danielalfon.com, has a store with all sorts of uh, digital downloads. It could be uh, about uh, connect, connection strategies. It could be about landing our first client on LinkedIn. It could be about five free ways to sell to a billion hungry buyers. And, and there is a way for, for uh, visitors to also uh, schedule a one-on-one call. Uh, a giveaway, uh, improving uh, our LinkedIn profile headline and all sorts of articles and, and content. I'll be glad to uh, if you checked it out. Okay, awesome. Well, we'll send people there. Thank you very much for the tips and tricks and system and everything you provided us today. A lot of great information that can help really increase marketing sales and really just to your point, use the tool that's there for free to the most of its ability because uh, it's there and it's one of the fastest growing tools for a business out there. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, John and Rich. It's been a pleasure to be part of Entrepreneurs United today. Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. I got to say, I am a little mind blown about our lack of use of groups. I, since we got off of talking with Daniel, I got on, you know, I graduated from Eastern Illinois University and I'm looking at Eastern Illinois University. There are uh, 6,000, no, I'm sorry, 8,474 members. I click on that group. There's a post from a week ago, a week ago, three weeks ago, and a month ago. So when you talk about getting nuggets from our guests that are actionable for our listeners, I mean, there are over 8,000 people part of this group and four people posted to the group in the last month, John. Yeah, it, it, it is an absolutely underutilized aspect because one of the things with groups, if you're not in a group, 
and you share a post, well, nobody in that group is seeing it unless you're connected, right, with you. But if you're in a group and it has 10,000 members and you post it there, all 10,000 members are seeing that in addition to your thousand or 2,000 members following you, right? So it exponentially expands your group. But if you're, if you're like, I love what he said, if you're in there carpet bombing them, they'll be like, who is this person, right? Yeah. But if you're showing up consistently and communicating in that group or sharing relative stuff of content that's important to people that are in that group, it's great. But even take it a step further, Rich, think about the people you really know in that group and the people they know in that group. Like if you're looking to really generate a, a larger network or connect with more people, or you're looking to sell a product or service, you can really navigate through LinkedIn. I mean, the whole purpose of LinkedIn when it first started was who are you linked to? Who's linked to somebody who's linked to somebody that you really want to connect with on a warm network basis. How many times have you actually connected to somebody you didn't know, but you had somebody in between you and them or two people between you and them and fished your way through that process? How many times have you done that? Yeah, unfortunately, rarely. It's another example of underutilizing LinkedIn. Exactly. And, and I could tell you, I've done it probably 20 times. I mean, this is Five over... Times. <laughs> yeah, this is over like almost 20 years, right? Yeah. Um, but every single time I've done it, it's it's in, introduced me to people that that I never thought I would know, but also really became really good friends of mine. Like at a deep level, uh, I got to know them. We either worked together or my wife worked for them or whatever. Um, it's a pretty powerful tool. And people think too much about it from a sales and marketing perspective. But it could also go to, you're looking for a guest speaker for your company, and there's somebody that you were interested in talking to. Let's use Michael Alasso, for example. Now you know him, so it's too late. But if you didn't yeah. know Michael Alasso, you'd be like, hey, John, can you introduce me to Michael Alasso? I'm interested in having him come to my company. Like, that warm network and that link in the LinkedIn name is very underutilized. Well, and you can imagine the power of if more people were using it, the power of that, but also, the importance of not polluting your network if more people were using it. I mean, the very reason why I think people allow their network to be polluted is they're not called on it. People aren't asking for referrals to others. Um, you know, I love one of the things, I love multiple things that he said, but one of the things that comes to mind I wanted to share with you is um, looking at what problems are your current customer base having or your ideal client. And keeping in mind that you're not interesting, the solution to their problem is interesting. So that's what you need to spend more time on in your, in your profile is demonstrating you understand their problem and you've got a solution to their problem. That is a completely different way to build a profile than I've ever thought of. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other part about LinkedIn that I loved about what he said, which is why I'm spending 99% of my time on LinkedIn versus Instagram or TikTok or Facebook anymore is because Facebook, Instagram, Link, uh, TikTok, all those different social platforms, what they've become very tired of is it's me talking about my weekend with my two boys and how well they did in hockey. It's great. I want my, my parents to see that, but I can also send them a picture and say, hey, here's what we did this weekend, right? But it's a little bit of trying to showcase what's going on in my life to the world and to a large network of people I was connected with 20 years ago. And I think that's where it's kind of gotten lost a little bit. And then on the other side, you got the, the new kids, right? Not the new kids, the new generation yeah. who 
their goal is to get likes. That's their goal. How many likes can I get? Let me go post something that's funny. That's maybe not even me, but I want to show that I'm cool and I can get these. Whereas in LinkedIn, the people I'm following is the content, like stuff I'm hungry for. I want to learn more about. It's intriguing. It's interesting. And you got to be flip that around. If you're going to be on LinkedIn, you got to do that for others. And those that will be interested in who you truly are and the content you truly care about will be the ones you develop relationships with on that platform. Very simple. I like that. I uh, I read something this morning from a book that you're reminding me of one of the quotes in it on how we treat LinkedIn. Uh, and in this particular book, it said something to the effect of the question is not so much uh, what I want to do, but more how I can serve using my talents, values, skills, and interests. And it's interesting. It's not about like how much can you consume on LinkedIn if you switch that and go, how much can you contribute? Yeah. How much can you add? It's not about what you want to do. It's about how much can you add? What a different perspective that is. Like this, this podcast has absolutely kind of spun my head around a bit on what LinkedIn is. I have always looked at LinkedIn as resume accuracy. Yeah. And that's a myth. That's a misconception about how to use it. If you want to do something that's going to help drive your business, it's not about you and your resume accurate. I mean, just thing after thing after thing. And uh, Daniel obviously knows his craft and it makes sense why he created a business out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the one thing, there's one thing I love of what he said, because I feel like like we've done um, is is continue showing up, be consistent. Right. That's maybe more important than the quantity uh, or quality conversation. Well, quality is number one. But number two is consistency, not qu- not quantity. Then if you ha- if you are if you have good quality and you're showing up consistently, then you can add some more quantity to the mix. But there's two things that I feel rich are action items for me. Uh, number one is go find more groups that are relevant to the groups that I connect with. Um, go seek them out and participate. Be can show up consistently there as well. Uh, not overbearing, but show up consistently. And the other thing is your current connections. Uh, you know, I loved, I really am going to take our mutual connections and find out who are the ones I don't know and, and ask you about them. And you should do the same. But also maybe there's a purging that needs to go on, right? Go through all of them and try and connect with them and see if you have anything in common. And if you don't, maybe you just purge them. But I do love, in, in, in conclusion here of, of my, my action items, I do love the, if someone asks to connect, Try and find the common thread as to why there's a value in that connection. And if there's none, maybe I don't connect uh, versus just connect, 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 connect to people I don't even know. Uh, you know, be, be more thoughtful about the connection process going forward. So those are my action items. How about you? Do you have any action item you would take from this? I'm going to look at groups and I'm going to consider groups. I'm going to look at the groups. I'm probably going to post some of our uh, podcasts advertisements, if you want to call it that, or the value add that we provide on LinkedIn and provide that to more people through groups versus just your network and mine. Uh, And I think that's also something that I want to talk to our business owners about and start talking to them about how do they solve a problem of one of their ideal customers? Where do they hang out and what groups maybe on LinkedIn? And how can they start posting more there? Absolutely. Love that. And why don't I challenge us on one more thing? 
I, for the first time in a long time, went to my profile during this conversation because Daniel brought it up. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what's there. I haven't been there in so long. Um, why don't we challenge ourselves to go look at our own profiles? And that goes for everybody listening. Go back and look at your profile. You know, do you have the right picture? Do you have the right title? Do you have the different components that can make it look more like a website than a CD? I think everybody should do that on a periodic basis. Uh, but now's a good time to go do that after this podcast. <laughs>